just like it's so silly to be in this world thinking that like you know managers xyz like let's just only have women in our life it's like no when I'm having an issue do you know what I love doing asking the men in my life because they will give me a different perception that I'm like I have never thought of it like that like it's a I think it's just amazing how our brains are so different and it's so important for us to embrace that rather than seeing it as a bad thing Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I am your host, Monica Yates, the period whisperer, a trauma healer, and an embodiment coach for both men and women. Well, obviously, periods just for women. I am a double Sagittarius, a rising Gemini, an Enneagram 8, and a generator. I know, it's a lot. I'm here for it. I help women to get into their magnetic as fuck feminine energy and for men to feel ecstasy and intimacy. In these episodes, I love to talk about things that people are thinking but too afraid to say, as well as educating you on everything that I know in this brain, body, and soul of mine. You can find all the ways to work with me on my website. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome everybody back to the podcast. Today I have a special guest who I met when I was doing, I was um, speaking for another company um, about like feminine energy and business, all that stuff back when I was actually in Tulum. Oh, it was a vibe. And I can't wait to be back there actually in November. Anyway, and I met this beautiful woman, Christine, and I asked her to come on the podcast to chat about her experience because she just briefly shared at the end of my little like speaking thing that I did online um, about how much it resonated and how she like used to want to be a man and that she's just realized this is all like a trauma response to um, to like holding shit around the feminine and putting the masculine on a pedestal and thinking that was going to keep her safe in X, Y, and Z. So this is a bit of story time for you all. So I hope this kind of like opens your heart, opens your mind, and maybe you resonate to some of it. And I cannot wait to see you all in the Tulum, um, at the Tulum immersion in November. Honestly, this summer, you guys know I'm a fucking winter baby, right? I'm like, ew, summer's disgusting. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually really digging the summer vibes in New York right now. It hasn't gotten too humid. That's probably why also. But I have to say, I feel like I became so grateful for even the humidity in Tulum because I was out of fucking London. And I don't know, I feel like that whole experience actually made me really appreciate summer and be grateful for it. And I feel like Tulum help me adapt to humidity and summer a little bit more or something. I don't fucking know. And realize it's a bloody vibe and that it's sexy and the sweatiness and the humidity can be a vibe and just like embrace the frizzy hair. So that's what I've been doing in New York and I'm loving it. And I'm obviously loving being in my new apartment. I had some of my furniture delivered the other day. So it's looking like a little bit more like a home, which is beautiful. Um, I just can't wait for like everything to be fully done anyway. So I'm actually really excited for the Tulum event and it's going to be fucking hot and I'm going to embrace it. And I, I'm excited for it because I'm already embracing this hot, like 30 degrees weather in 30 degrees Celsius weather in New York. Anyway. So for those nine of you that are coming, your life is about to be changed in ways that you will not even be able to comprehend or explain to other people. Like after the New York event, so many of the women were just like, I can't even explain what happened. Like I can't even explain your in-person retreats and work. I'm like, I know it's, it's out of this world. And one of the girls that's coming messaged me because I've been promoting it to sell the last few spots on my Instagram. And she was like, 
wait, why isn't this sold out? People have no fucking idea what they're doing, do they? Because she's been to my, she's been in my program. She's been to the New York event and she came to the Byron Bay retreat and she just like, she just can't get enough. She just wants to keep healing, keep healing, keep healing. Um, Cause there's always new layers and new things that can come up for you because as you continue to evolve and, and up level, new little things can come up and there's just always more beautiful layers that you can discover for yourself. And this healing work isn't just to release your trauma. It's that. It's also to up-level yourself. It's to upgrade yourself. It's to feel more confident, more radiant, to have a bigger aura, all this stuff. So if Tulum is calling you, ladies, like I'm not going to sit here and like try and sell it to you because I don't need to. Like It sells itself. You know if you're meant to be there, the end. Anyway, so in this podcast with Christine, she's talking about her story. Um, and I just wanted to get her on as a bit of an eye-opening experience so that some of you might resonate with this. It's a different perspective. So you're not just hearing about my story, um, but how, you know, our society and this trauma response that so many of us have of feeling safer in the masculine can really cause us to think we want certain things when actually that's not our truth. And like so many women think that they're just masculine when actually they're really feminine. And I used to be one of those women where I just thought, that my personality was masculine. Um, and I thought that I enjoyed being more masculine, but really it was all a cover up and I just love being in my feminine. It's fucking beautiful. So that's that. Enjoy the podcast. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have beautiful Christy with me and I met her when I was doing um, like a guest call, I guess you would call it for the Ace Collective. And you were there and I was talking about feminine energy and the importance of us being in it and, you know, all the jazz that you guys know about. And Christy was giving her insight on what she got out of my talk. And she was kind of alluding to the fact that with her childhood, she wished that she was a man, just like I kind of used to be, but yours was kind of at a whole other extent, wasn't it, um, Christy? And yeah, do you want to kind of give a little bit of context with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as Monica was saying, my name is Chrissy Melhorn and, um, it was amazing to meet Monica through the ACE talk. Um, and we were talking a lot about your gender identity and how you relate to your femininity and some of the struggle that I think a lot of us as women endure trying to take ownership of that, um, side of ourselves. I think, a lot of it, especially in recent years. And um, I'm not criticizing at all, like the hard work that has gone into claiming women's rights or anything like that. But some of those traditional uh, feminine qualities have been kind of shamed out of us. And growing up, I, I grew up in a very unconventional household. <laughs> um, my mom had Pick's disease, which is a form of dementia and it affects your motor skills, your memory, your emotional control. And um, so as my mom was struggling and suffering, I had my, my dad who was very much a traditional stoic male figure. He was very emotionally unavailable as we were growing up. And I just had no idea how to deal with what I was feeling subconsciously. So I definitely internalized, um, it's so funny, like just from observation, I internalized femininity as being weak. And yeah, that was me as well. 
that was yeah. my whole thing. It was just like stronger, better, easier to kind of like be a man. It wasn't that I, I think I was saying this to you. It wasn't that I like actually wanted a sex change. It was just that I really idolized the idea that like men had it easier and women just had it so hard. Um, and the reality is that like, that's just a perception you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it wasn't actually the truth. And I just believe that women were weak and like feminine was weak and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of similar to your story. So let's just jump into you. So if you want to continue on talking about kind of what led you to have this idea that being a woman was weak and idolizing men and idolizing, like being a man kind of situation. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I, because my mom was so ill growing up, I think that I, I really idolized my dad and I became extremely attached to my dad. And, um, I mean, my dad himself, he had, he has an incredible presence. Like he's, he was six, he's six, four. I mean, he, he's older, so he's shrunk a little now, but <laughs> that's this. <laughs> um, back then he was six, four, black hair, tan skin, just this huge man who would disappear into the mountains over the weekend. Like he was very much this archetypal male figure. And I just was absolutely captivated by him as a kid. I spent a lot of time with my dad sitting on his lap, um, watching him tie fish flies and, uh, load bullets. He was a hunter and a fisherman. And, um, he had a lot of athletic prowess as well that I admired. And, um, I was a pretty rambunctious kid as well. So I think there was that. And then I grew up with a lot of, uh, boys on my block too. There was a bit of an age gap between my older sister and I. So I was just around guys a lot growing up. And, um, I just never felt comfortable in feminine clothes. Like I, uh, just, I felt like it was too girly or that people, I remember I didn't, I hated it. Um, when people called me cute or pretty, I felt like it was so, um, I don't know. I just felt like it was really patronizing, I guess. No, I I get it. Cause I used to like hate it when people told me like, you're such a girly girl. Like I hated being told that. And like my favorite color was pink, but I would tell Mm -hmm. everybody like different colors because I didn't want my favorite color to be pink. So I would just keep making up different fucking colors and I couldn't stick with one because my only favorite color was actually pink. Pink. Yeah. And then you were probably like frustrated about denying yourself that as well. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I remember like my sister, my older sister, she's six years ahead of me and, um, she was really, uh, experimental with her style Um, But I kind of watched my sister have a lot of these kind of kind of fleeting, strange relationships with guys often. And I remember just kind of feeling like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have that uh, in my life. For some reason, it made me feel really weird. And um, I just, yeah, I kind of just inclined more towards um, dressing like a guy. And it's like, I didn't want people to perceive me as, uh, pretty. Um, I I, it was just, I'm not entirely sure what the exact root of it was, 
but you I think always it was because your like your, your mom is the feminine that you see when you're younger yeah. and you think because your mom was like so unavailable it was like oh my god the feminine's so weak I don't want to be like that so that you you've idolized the masculine that could be a that really could be it yeah, because my mom that's what it was for me like my mom's mm. super emotional like love it a bit but she was like super she is super emotional really like um warm and nurturing and like touchy-feely and I fucking hated that as a kid but it was all mm. my own wounding now I love it but like I hated it as a kid and so I was like I was always like ew I don't want to be like mom so for me it was like I don't want to be feminine I want to be like dad I idolize my dad so it was like I want to be more like dad I want to be quite masculine so how do you feel like your idolization if that's the right word of men and the masculine affected you like in your adolescence and you know when you were like in your early 20s and stuff oh my gosh um I had a lot of emotional repression that I just didn't even know where to begin with it And the amount of anxiety that comes from having all of this trauma stored in your body, it, it'll eat you alive from the inside Mm -hmm. out. And I had, I had a, yeah, I had a ton of anxiety issues. Um, I was really reluctant and really nervous about any kind of uh, relationship. I remember really struggling with that. Like a lot of my friends started dating way before I was comfortable with it. And like the boyfriend that I did have when I was in junior high, I would like, I would race to my locker. Cause he would always try to meet me at my locker at the end of the day and okay. like, give me a kiss by or whatever. And I would race to my locker and like grab all of my things out as fast as I could and just sprint. Cause I didn't want to so like yeah. super avoidant, like super avoidant super avoidant attachment styles. Um, yeah, I was very nervous about any kind of like intimacy and relationship. It's like, I didn't want to give someone access in. Um, it, uh, yeah, I just always kind of felt like I was on the fringe of a lot of relationships. So when you started to have more serious relationships, how did it affect your relationships with like men? Because they'd want to be in the lead, but you had no idea how to be in your feminine nor did you want to be so how do you feel like it affected the dynamic let me say that because my first boyfriend at the time anyway I think I definitely assumed that um more leadership like yeah was right role yeah yeah um and he was definitely he was definitely more effeminate, I would say. Yeah. It's so interesting, actually. This is this is a really interesting conversation. Um, I've always been really attracted to effeminate men. I have. Well, that's because you're the, like that's because you'd be the masculine, right? Like the mm-hmm. masculine, pop, like you'd want to lead. But my question is: is that because it's like a question I always ask women though? Is that because you actually desire to really lead and be the one that's making all the decisions and doing everything? Or is that because it's like a control mechanism because you not being in the lead and being like, you know, taking a step back and letting him lead, letting him chase you, blah, 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 means that you're not in control. Like it requires, it re- mm-hmm. it's, it's so much harder to surrender because you're not the one in control. You're not the one texting first. You're not the one choosing the restaurant. You're not the one making dinner X, Y, and Z. So it means that you don't have control. Yeah. I, 
oh man, I, I have very evident control issues. Um, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's very clear. I can hardly even like, there have been times where I could hardly even handle like being a passenger in a car. I'm like, I just want to drive. Um, it's not so bad anymore. And I actually have such an amazing, really healthy relationship right now with my boyfriend. And I've noticed I've chilled out a lot. I have chilled out how a did, lot. How did that relationship develop? Like when you got into that relationship in the beginning, were you the same version of yourself that you are now? Or did he kind of help you heal? Um, I think he's he's really helped me heal. I think he's really just having that sense of support um, mm. is for one thing, like you feel a bit more safe. Like yeah. you feel like you're in a safer space um, for so many years I just didn't feel safe. And like to tie it back into my control issues, I think watching my mom, my, my mom's illness wasn't diagnosed until I was like nine. And she was very clearly sick from uh, the time I was really small. So being really little and knowing there was something going on, but like having zero answers and like being super neglected by the healthcare industry, that was very anxiety inducing. And I remember even back then I kind of assumed a caregiver role for her. So did my sister. Um, so there was already some role reversal early in my childhood. Um, but then, uh, later in my twenties, I developed a really hardcore eating disorder and, um, a lot of self-starvation, you know, restricting, um, overtraining every time I ate anything, I'd feel so guilty. And I'd feel like I had to like, yeah, I used food as a control mechanism for sure. Um, and then, with my boyfriend now it was definitely hard at first to accept help I had a really hard time I remember we first started dating I was in the middle of moving and there was so much going on in my life I should like looking back I'm like why didn't I ask for more help like why couldn't I just let myself receive that and I think it, it it does tie into some kind of weird pride thing as well. Um, it's like, I can do everything on my own. And well, that's like society. It's like, you should be a strong, independent woman. Like don't ask for help. Like majority of women, they like want help deep down, but they don't want, they don't actually, they don't know how to receive help. They don't know how to yeah. ask for it. They don't want to ask for it. Right. Because they want to like be their own fucking hero and um, they don't know how to receive help. No. And it's like, it's just so ridiculous. Like (laughs) receiving help shouldn't be this huge, emotionally torturous experience. I'm like, why am I wasting so much energy feeling this way about literally nothing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Something that's so normal. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So, so with where you are right now, how do you feel reflecting and everything now with where you're at about like being a woman versus being a man? Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, I definitely feel more, um, I, f- I feel actually more attractive in a way. Like I feel sexier And I feel like I can step into that side of myself in new ways. And um, I've have enjoyed feeling um, actually to borrow a word that you said earlier, like I feel more comfortable with surrendering myself to that. And, uh, and I'll be honest, I, 
my boyfriend, he's in really good shape. He's like, uh, got an incredible job. Like he is definitely a provider type. And, um, I really, I'm really attracted to that. And I, I really enjoy that. And, um, I feel like I can breathe a little bit easier. Like, did you find it hard in the beginning to receive that though? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it took me a long time. Because like? like now, obviously, yeah, you're aware of it. So you're like, oh, I'll actually receive this. Like, yum. And it's so nice for your nervous system, right? Like women want to be protected for protected and provided for. But in the beginning, you then don't have the control, right? Like if you, like if you want to be in control, you have to be the protector and the provider. So how did it affect you in the beginning of dating him? Um, I, to be a hundred percent honest, there were times where I'd be kind of annoyed and I'm like, (laughs) like, why are you texting me so much? Or like, um, but I would catch myself, like I try and catch myself in the moment and I'm like, okay, I'm adapting, I'm learning. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, at first I was like, I was like, I need, I need my space. Like I need my time in my space. Like I have to be super hardcore about my boundaries and, um, was definitely could feel like I had a barrier up and I would only like reveal so much at a time. And like something that I've, maybe you've experienced this too. I hate crying in front of other people. I hate, yeah. yeah, Being super vulnerable in front of other people. It's funny. Like I, I'm fine with revealing very intimate personal details about my life, but to actually like feel those emotions in the moment, that's another ball game. You kind of like yeah. sever that. So of course. yeah. So I see well, yeah, vulnerability is like vulnerability is scary, right? You don't feel safe being completely vulnerable if you've had all this trauma. So why would you express yourself like that? Because then you're vulnerable and you could be like killed. Exactly. That like, like, pri- like primarily as in like our primal brain is like, if I let my walls down, I could die because someone could hurt me and may not be like on high alert. Like if I'm on high alert, then I'm safe. And if I'm fully like letting go and my heart is open and I'm vulnerable and I'm open to this man, then like I could be taken advantage of, or I could be hurt or I could be killed and like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, before I was seeing Ryan, my boyfriend, I had been in this super weird, like this, I swear a movie could have been made of this, but I was in this really um, up and down all over the place more sexual based relationship with a very, very wealthy man who lives in Calgary. And it was secret for eight years. It was this on and off, like secret romance thing, totally behind closed doors for the most part. Um, Hardly ever did anything like outside of the bedroom. And I was so in love with him. And I remember as it, and like, I, I mean, I was definitely denying myself what I really wanted because I, in my like day-to-day waking life, I would be like, I'm fine with this because, um, I have my time in my space, but I get like my yeah. sexual needs met. Yeah. And like, this is fine. You know, this is you fine. You convince yourself. Yeah. But then I would have dreams of him saying that he loved me and I'd wake up and I'd be like, well, <laughs> now I know what I really want. Um, yeah. And it did bug me. Like, I felt like I wasn't, I, I'll be totally honest. I felt like I wasn't getting enough attention and I yeah, didn't like course. that. 
I mean, that was a, that's a classic trauma bonded relationship of the ups and downs of the majority sexual. You tell yourself like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like you tell yourself that your needs are getting met, that it's all perfect, but really it's not like that's a perfect trauma bond, but it's, it's your dad. Like it's emotionally unavailable. Exactly. Yeah. That was exactly it. And it just, it's amazing how much anxiety it actually caused me and how hard it was to let go of that. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. It was like pulling a tooth without any anesthetic, just like bare hands. A trauma bond is a full-blown addiction. That's why people get in these toxic relationships and they look back and they're like, why didn't I get out of that earlier? And it's like, it's because you literally were addicted to that person. Even though you have these downs, the highs are so high that they they make you forget the downs and then the downs become worth it, quote unquote, because the highs are so high. That's exactly what happened. The sex was so good. And so intense. And I would definitely, that was the high. I would definitely take that and use that as like a basis to justify the relationship. (laughs) And like, I always had this, this deep down hope. I'm like, maybe it'll go somewhere someday. And even at the, like, uh, um, mentally, I was like, it's never going to go anywhere, but like my heart somewhere deep down in my heart. I thought that. And now I am in a relationship where I'm, it's, it's just incredible. Actually. It's like, it's like the universe gifted me this after years of like horrible, indifferent, crappy relationships (laughs) because I finally said enough. And, um, but yeah, like you said, like the earlier stages, um, we've, we've been together just shy of, I think six months. So it's hasn't been a very long time, but long enough for like very significant shifts to take place and amazing well, I'm um, really happy for you so thank you. what would you say to any women listening that have maybe a similar story to us or they do really think like men have it easier and they do mm. kind of idolize a more masculine life versus a more feminine life like now that you know a bit about what you know and just that you're like awake to the fact that like the wounding that you had back then what would you say to any of those listeners? Um, I would say, first of all, that a lot of these very, this like idolization of hyper-masculinity for one thing can be really unhealthy in its own right. Like we're human, we're not designed to have, um, you know, to just be, to fight tooth and nail all the time. We're not designed to, be completely cut off from our deeper emotional selves um and to to be like something that comes with masculinity a lot is ridiculous hard work and that's also not realistic and i think women are more emotional like we have estrogen we have higher levels of estrogen we um i mean i don't want to i'm i'm care- always careful about pigeonholing uh, men and women to, into clear Don't worry, cut, it's my podcast. I've already pigeonholed everyone. It's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, but there's no denying, like we have different bodies. We have different sex organs. Like we are different and, um, yeah. we are, we have different hor- hormonal structures and, um, it makes us, I think that that side of ourselves makes us really intuitive and wise. And that instead of denying those nudges and those impulses, just, we let have them have time. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. We have a power, our intuition that men do not have. Like, yes, they have gut feelings, like they have their intuition, but the way that we can tune into our bodies and make these really intuitive decisions is just like mind blowing. And the amount of women that deny themselves their femininity because they idolize the masculine is like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I, I, have you watched, um, have you watched married at first sight, the um, Australian married at first sight? Oh my gosh. No, I haven't. The season six. If you, I, I, just, I, I had to put it down for a while because the trauma that was mm. being projected was like horrendous. But bottom mm. line is I was watching one of the last episodes the other night and it was like their final thing or something or other. And one of the therapists was like on the show was like, so ladies, why do you think there's been such a divide with the sisterhood in this time? Like all you fucking chicks do is scream at each other and fight. And they were all, some of them were saying like, you know, oh, like it's an age thing. And like some of us are millennial and blah, blah, blah. And then one of the guys piped up and was like, well, actually, I think it's because it's a high pressure environment and women just can't cope as well under pressure. Like nothing wrong with that. It's just that you guys aren't made for high pressure environments like we are. And I'm like a fucking men, like that is correct. And these women <laughs> went off their fucking rocker <laughs> about the situation. And they went so hyper masculine, so defensive instead of actually, and I messaged the guy on Instagram and he replied because I was like, I I just want to let you know that what you've said is scientifically correct. So in case you're still like scared about that, or in case you've gotten shit for it, for being like a misogynist or whatever, like what you said is literally scientific information. Um, but yeah, these women went off their rocker and I'm like, no, like what he has said is correct. Our nervous systems are so much more sensitive that sensitive yeah. than men's. And we're in this world where it is idolized to be more masculine a lot of the time, or we do it to ourselves. We make up this idea that it's better to be masculine, but the reality is like, you will burn yourself out. You will hit a threshold. You will have such severe anxiety that you have to change something because our nervous systems as women cannot cope with that much stress and that much pressure well that's just the thing and I think that a lot of I think that like the reaction of those ladies they probably interpreted it as an insult but that the thing is is in a weird kind of roundabout way it's just um highlighting that women's brains from what I remember in school it's been a couple of years (laughs) but I did uh I did some anthropology of gender and it was fascinating but it was amazing it was one of my favorite classes ever and I actually bought myself the textbook as a grad gift for myself because it was one of the best pieces of literature I've ever had in my hands. Um, But there were different articles in that textbook that talk about the study of the brain and um, how difficult it is to study your, your brain. However, what studies have shown over and over and over and over again is that women's women think more cyclically than men. Men think very linearly and that's just the thing to consider like in a high pressure intense environment is that we're interpreting so much information at once that it gets really overwhelming. And, uh, I mean, I experienced that. I I'll be honest, I can get overwhelmed really easily. Um, I am HSP. I'm highly sensitive. Um, in human design, I'm a reflector and I can get really, really overstimulated and Mm -hmm. overwhelmed easily. 
So that's something I've I mean, had yeah. to learn how to manage. Yeah. And and I think a lot of women, like what you said, that like we take it as an insult. And I used to take it as, I would have taken that as an insult like years ago before I did any of this work on myself. But now I see it as a blessing. Like I do get overwhelmed. And when I do, it's I'm now so good at like reaching out and asking for help. Or like, even I'm like, I've been looking for apartments and everything. We landed it today. So I'm very excited. But uh, oh, congrats. I was, I've, been, thank you. I've been looking at apartments and I found this one that I really, really wanted. And um. Anyway, we didn't get it. And I just wanted to have an absolute meltdown. And because I'm so good at asking for help, I basically just like gave the power over to my broker and I just like had a meltdown. And he was just like telling me everything to make me like feel better. And he was like, you need to go have a nap. Like you go do you. And the amount of women that would never let themselves do that and never let themselves like just trust that their broker has like got them. And like, he can deal with the pressure situation. Like you don't need to deal with it. Like it's super normal for you to be having a meltdown over this stuff. La la la. Like I never would have allowed myself to do that. And now I have no problem like being emotional or being like, I'm so overwhelmed. I need a day off from this, or I need to go have a nap or whatever it is. And not seeing that as like, there's something wrong with me or I'm weak, but not, but actually just being like, I allow men to look after me now. And Mm -hmm. it feels so much better to them. Like it feels Mm -hmm. so good to them. And it feels so good to me also. And as a result, I'm more relaxed during like throughout my life, throughout my day, I'm more relaxed because I've got that support from men, but if women aren't allowing men to support them, they're actually subconsciously constantly stressed because women, we need men to make us feel safe. Like the mass, the feminine needs the masculine in order to feel relaxed. And so all these women, they just like repel men out of their lives, like fuck men, fuck men, fuck men. And they don't realize it's actually causing them so much stress because they don't have that protective energy around them all the time. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that I always say to myself, like in times where I'm maybe having a panic attack or I'm super anxious, is that we should never underestimate how powerful what's kicking around in our subconscious can be in our day to day life. And those are real stressors. Like we are social animals, we're wired for healthy, meaningful attachments. Like it's part of our survival structure and strategy. And, um, you know, people can, there, I'm sure there are people out there who are legitimately lone wolves, but they've probably been really traumatized into being like that. Um, Oh my God. Absolutely. Amen. And like the lone wolf is almost worn as a bit of a badge of honor, especially for men. It's worn as a bit of a badge of honor to be a lone wolf, but the reality is it's not healthy. No, it's not healthy. And the amount of physical ailments that can result from, living like that is I mean look at our culture like oh my god it's so bad (laughs) it's so bad and I've even experienced it I mean I've definitely experienced it a couple of years ago I was just I I went through such an intense meltdown I ended up having um, clinical insomnia for over a year and I ended up in the hospital for two months because I almost I literally almost died from sleep deprivation because I just felt so alone and isolated and I didn't know what was going on with me. And I had that mentality, like I can get through this on my own. Yeah. I need to fix myself. And I couldn't. No. Do you know what caused insomnia? Um, I think it was a big blend of things. I, uh, the insomnia kind of started like during my eating disorder because I was so hungry. I couldn't actually sleep properly, but my eating disorder was tied into control issues. And Mm. 
I think I had a lot of, again, this all ties in to, um, this all ties into repressing uh, a feminine release. Like I had so much unresolved grief, trauma, pain. Um, I've had many sexual assaults in my life. Um, had a, someone very close in my life, not to me personally, but in my life, sexually taunt us for like my entire childhood, basically. There's been a lot that just never really had the time or space to breathe because I was so adhered to this um, path of like, I just got to get through it and I've got to yeah. work and I've got to make money. Put, shove it I, down, sh- yeah, shove it onto the carpet. doesn't matter. Keep going. Yeah. And then it like, my psyche was like, hell no. It's like, yeah. cut the bullshit girl. Like, yeah. here I am. And it's so funny when people try and shove shit under the carpet. I'm like, you realize you actually can't do that forever. Like it will come mm. and I bite you in the ass. It, yeah, it did. It literally, it literally knocked me flat on my face. Like I, I was so exhausted from the sleep deprivation combined with the panic attacks. My yeah. hormones were a mess and they, they're still recovering. It's been a couple of years and they're still recovering. Um, but I could, I couldn't even walk. Like I could hardly handle standing wow. in the shower. I was so fried. I was wow. so fried. And I'm going to be honest with you. My, um, I had an amazing team who helped me through it and I have a male psychiatrist now mm-hmm. and he's been incredible to work with. Um, Do you prefer having a male psychologist to, um, female? Um, I like actually having access to both. I okay. feel like you get something different from both. And, and uh, this is why yeah. we need, but this is why we need both genders. Like, it's, ugh, just like it's so silly to be in this world thinking that like you know managers xyz like let's just only have women in our life it's like no when I'm having an issue do you know what I love doing asking the men in my life because they will give me a different perception that I'm like I have never thought of it like that like it's a I think it's just amazing how our brains are so different and it's so important for us to embrace that rather than seeing it as a bad thing absolutely Absolutely. And to like actually cultivate those strengths. Yeah. Um, yeah. I honestly couldn't have, I don't think I would have been able to make it through without both of them. They mm-hmm. both brought something totally different to my life. And uh, oh my gosh, they really yeah, helped me take my life back. I mean, I still struggle. It's never yeah. going to totally go away. Yeah. But um, yeah, the insomnia was just like, at the end of the day, it really had to do with um, ridiculous levels of repression and self-denial and beating myself up for feeling those things and for needing help. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Okay. So Christy, do you have any last little things you would like to tell the listeners? There are men and there are women, anything at all that you feel like you really want to mention before we finish up for today? about your journey, about what you realized, all that kind of jazz. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely as like, uh, it might sound a little bit cliche, but just to be patient with yourself and let yourself go through the bumps of ruts, bumps and ruts of, um, feeling what you need to feel and go, um, that sometimes taking, taking steps forward doesn't actually feel like you are sometimes progress can feel like 
you're uh, in reversal mode, but just because you're feeling uh, maybe anxious or depressed about um, something significant in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're failing. Sometimes progressing means being extremely uncomfortable. Totally, and totally. yeah, Beautiful. and that you, you need to just kind of, you need to just settle into that space mm. and let it run its course. Amazing. And last question, what about talking about the feminine, masculine men and women now having discovered yourself, what do you now perceive women to be like? And do you enjoy being a woman? Yes, absolutely. I think women are deeply intuitive. I think women have incredible levels of compassion and can think in a really holistic way. And um, there's a special female energy that can only be generated within a circle, like a sisterhood-like circle that uh, is extremely healing. And when it comes from a place that isn't so convoluted by self-protection and self-preservation it's it's a magical feeling and yeah I wouldn't um want to deny that from anybody beautiful thank you so much Christy for coming on sharing your journey I really appreciate it when I when I had that little glimpse of your story I was like I really want to get you on the podcast because I just feel like this is so important to share, especially for younger women that or younger girls that um, could be going through something similar and just think like, oh no, mm-hmm. like maybe I think we were talking about this, like, oh no, maybe I do just want to be a man. And uh, like, maybe you do, but maybe also it's a trauma thing because that was what mine was. And that's what yours was. Like a lot of the time, it's a lot of the time, those things that you tell yourself aren't your deep truth. It's actually like a life would be easier if I was X and therefore you make yourself believe what you want to believe a hundred percent and then that just leads to a whole multitude of crappy health issues that believe me you don't want to experience I guess another takeaway I can say is don't be like me do not be racked by insomnia and just chronic panic attacks ask for help and fight to get help because Mm. I had to don't let people deny you access to the resources that you need to, you have to, to get there. To get I saw probably over 30 some healthcare professionals before I had to call the police on suicide to get to the hospital. No way. What were they saying? Oh my God. Um, anything. Oh my gosh. It was so intense. Anything from, oh, well, your blood work is fine. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe it's a hormonal thing. Here's some Synthroid. Oh, um, you know, anxiety kind of sucks. Here's some Prozac. Like people, they didn't take into consideration just how deep my trauma was Mm -hmm. and how, um, complex I am as a person and as a woman. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember seeing naturopaths and it was like, not to discredit that field at all, but it was a lot about like, oh, well, it's because of your liver. It's because of this. No, I I understand. Like, where's the holistic, right? Like, oh God, wouldn't it be beautiful if you went to a hospital and you, you know, went in with like a physical ailment and then they asked you like, tell me about your childhood. 
and exactly. you told them about your trauma and you're like, okay, well, there's no fucking wonder you've got an eating disorder followed by insomnia and panic attacks. Like we need to go get her some serious fucking therapy to start therapy. with, like some seriously, some seriously good healers to help her. Like, yeah. God, I just, I can't wait for that day where you walk into a hospital and you get everything because it's all important. There's a place for all of it. Like when I had my bad ski accident, I still like, Mm. I still to this day wish that instead of just having my surgeon be like, you have to get surgery. There was also like an Eastern medicine doctor being like, correct, Monica, you need to get surgery because I was in this like headspace of like, but I don't want to get surgery. It's all these drugs going into my body. I don't want to do that. Like, can I heal this naturally? And like, I didn't understand. I was also like, you know, high as a kite I didn't understand that like <laughs> like I needed a fucking surgery but if there was an eastern medicine doctor in there and also a healer then it's like and all of them are like you need surgery and we're going to be doing x y and z to support your body afterwards you're going to be on an emotional fucking roller coaster for the next three months but here is someone to support you through all of that and help you through all of that like that you would just make you feel so safe in that journey yes. because like hospital visits are really traumatic in itself Mm -hmm. and then you're just discharged and it's like okay well where is the support now so I'm excited for that day where you get so much support when you go to the hospital oh my gosh me too and by the time I finally got it like I was such a disaster I was so exhausted and don't get me wrong I appreciate that team that I had I, I actually because there was there isn't like a sleep specific ward. And I did have to call myself in on suicide because I was, I was suicidal. I was in so much pain from the sleep deprivation. Like my body was in a state of torture. Um, when I, when I got, I finally kicked the door down and got in, I actually lived in the psych ward for a month Mm -hmm. and it was one of the most life it it was, it was, it was life-changing. It was like seeing, the human condition in a completely new way. And while it was terrifying and hard, I am so glad that I got to experience that. So, but like I was saying to anybody who's listening, don't let anyone dismiss you. Of course. Kick the door down because it, it, it can get to like life or death. Yeah. Well, I always say to people, like, I don't care how big or small your trauma is, like it's valid. And all Mm -hmm. this gaslighting and this cancel culture right now on social media is so fucking, it it drives me up the wall because like everyone just invalidates everyone else's truth. Like without like going too deeply into it, like there are people on Instagram being like, this is the only way, or like, if you're not getting the V-A-C-C-I-N-E, then like X, Y, Z. And it's just like, Everyone is entitled to their own experience, their own opinion, their own truth. And the cancel culture and the gaslighting is so unhealthy because what it's doing is it's making people feel unsafe to express their opinion and their truth. And then they bottle it all up and then they get peer pressured from people because they've got no one to speak about their 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 option or their truth or their experience or whatever and so they just bottle it up and it's it's really yeah. really unhealthy I completely agree I completely yeah. agree yeah yeah well we will leave it there thank you so much for your time Christy I really appreciate it thank you for sharing your story with everybody and I hope you have a lovely weekend you too thank you so much you're you a joy so and you're a pleasure You're so beautiful and cool. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
Well, I hope you guys love this episode with Christine. It was beautiful. It was eye-opening. It was... I'm grateful that she shared her story here and that she felt comfortable to do so. And I'm great that she, I'm grateful that she's on this beautiful healing journey for herself um, and that she started this healing journey and she's become aware of the things that she now needs to work on. Last reminder, Tulum, if you want to come, this may be your only opportunity, depending when you listen to this and whether there's still a ticket left or not. For those of you that are coming, congratulations, because this is the only event that I'm ever doing that's going to be this small, and I'm only doing it because of COVID, so I will never run an event that's only nine women. So if you feel this calling, I would follow it, because you will never get this opportunity again. And I'm not just like saying that, like, I will never do it again. The only reason I'm doing it is because of COVID, and so I wanted to do an in-person event, but in the future, we won't have that issue, so I'll do in-person events that are a much larger scale, because that's better, like better use of my time if that makes sense um but I can't do that right now so hence I was like well I want to do an in-person event so we're making it small and I cannot fucking wait this is your only opportunity it's now or it's never I will see you there